Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Before we get into the video, gotta let you guys know that Jimmy and I are going to be doing some traveling in October. This is coming up sooner than later, people. Uh, Thursday through Sunday, October 6th through 9th, we're going to CXE, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. We're going to be bringing our comics and stuff there for a really awesome festival in a very comic literate town. Uh, Baltimore Comic Con is the end of the month, October 28th through the 30th. Uh, that's the birthplace of cartoonist kayfabe, boys and girls. Man, it's a very special, near and dear to our hearts. In, in the middle there, October 22nd, Jimmy's going to be going to Jacksonville Public Library for a zine fest, and he's the man of the hour there. Uh, so make sure you stop by if you're in town and uh, go meet, meet the man himself. October is getting close, man. So here's the official cartoonist kayfabe, kayfabe-tober drawing prompts for your uh, inktober month of October, man. A bunch of good stuff that I can't wait to see drawn by the very uh, deft hands of the cartoonist kayfabe audience. And the comic and the videos that we make are brought to you by the comic books that we make. And this is what we have on the docket right now, man. Trigger Warnings is going to be coming into stores within the next couple of weeks. Here it is in all of its glory. So much extra material for you to latch onto if you got the issues. Uh, Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design on the stands right now. Monster and Madness, two issues of that, but it's going to be collected in one of those handsome treasury editions uh, at the end of the year. And back in print is Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, collecting all of Jimmy's image comics versions of Street Angel. And without further ado, Jimmy, can we talk about the most 90s Spider-Man comic that ever existed? Eric Larson, six issue, Revenge of the Sinister Six, from Spider-Man number 18 through 23. I bought all of these off of the stand back in the day, got rid of them, rebought them as, yeah. as per most of my collection at this point, it feels like. Um, I had read some of Eric Larson. I started reading comics when McFarlane was wrapping up his amazing Spider-Man run. Yeah. And it was followed by Eric Larson. And it's funny, like one of the letters pages in here alludes to that, how he followed McFarlane on Hulk. Although he only drew, I think, one issue of that. Yeah. Um, but followed him on Amazing Spider-Man for a long run and then followed him on Ejectiveless Spider-Man here um, for this run and also issue 16, which was a filler issue that he with did. The Beast, right? Team up with the Beast. And uh, at this point, though, he's writing, he's inking himself. And I liked Eric Larson up to this point. This was like going to another level. Yeah. This really felt like, where's Eric Larson been? I probably cut out of the last few issues of his Amazing Spider-Man run. So when I saw these, it was like, wow, man, this dude is just, he's here. Like it, it felt... It felt like he was no longer in McFarlane's shadow and he was completely his own guy and he was a badass. All the stylistic ticks that made him him are on display. And it's like, that's awesome. That's what I was looking for in an artist were these guys who were stylistic but were also unique. And Larson brought all that. And it could not have been easy to follow McFarlane on Spider-Man books. He's following the template though where in those 1990s, uh, you could hotshot your comics. Somehow, like, uh, I don't know, Tom DeFalco... Danny Fingeroth, whoever the editor is, they were letting these guys hotshot these books with all kinds of weird, incongruent team-ups, cameos, and stuff like that. Man, McFarlane would be bringing in Ghost Rider and Wolverine for these Spider-Man stories. Uh, so we got a healthy sampling of that. Not to mention Solo. He shows up a time or two. <laughs> the guys who don't land, I think, are Solo in this and Shotgun in the John Romita Jr. Punisher and Daredevils. Yeah. I was so on board for those, uh, like, I guess, knockoff Punishers. Right. And uh, they did not click. Let's uh, jump into things because we got six issues to look at here, dude. So 
without further ado, we're gonna begin with issue number 18, cover, sick as fuck. This also feels like, you know, Larson is a comic book fan. Absolutely. And this feels like a dude who's a comic book fan. Of, of superhero comics. Right. And, and, you know, you can imagine him channeling and loving Ditko and the whole history of Spider-Man, all the great stories. It feels like this is his chance to really get in there and have fun with it. Right. And I think these dudes were critical of Michelini, the writer on Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And they were eager to go out and kind of do these fun books. And I was critical of Spider-Man. You know, like I always say he's this whiner and he's got a supermodel wife. What's he complaining about all the time? Right. I felt like these artists channeled that. Like, it's pretty fun. Although I will say as we get going, uh, some of the Larson... Peter Parker stuff, I was like, all right, tone it down. Everybody's a wise ass right, right, right. In, in these six issues. <laughs> so what you were sort of saying, not to put words in your mouth, but Larson being a fan of the superhero comic, understanding that language, I think it begins right here on page one where, uh, you know, if we want to get bougie, uh, I believe the term is in medias race, you know, begin the story in the middle and you have an action-packed sequence. This ain't some bullshit. There are some comics that we're going to be doing, recording this week, where not only do they start at the beginning, but they literally start at the beginning of time. The, crea <laughs> the creation of Earth. <laughs> so true. Uh, it's cool to see him doing classic splash pages. You know, yeah. like, I don't know that this is a great splash page, but you can see he's kind of playing with that structure, and it's something that would serve him well in Savage Dragon, and it's something that spoke to me when he gets to Dragon. So, like... I, I would say this is a great splash page, man. Th there are cool some good ones. There are some good ones. With uh, Sp Spider-Man about to pounce on the fella? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. Interesting uh, use of a mechanical font here by Rick Parker, one of uh, one of my favorite letters, but like you see him pulling out, that must be a paste-up of the Sinister Six. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some... Uh, college student there in a bullpen who's who's in charge of that part uh greg right on the colors here and and he really shows up in a strong way and again this, this is the formula that we're going to see in savage dragon splash page double pla splash page that's that's the jack kirby template of 70s fourth world eternals the marvel stuff that kirby came back to do and probably the stuff larson was buying off the stands yeah, sure and uh you know let's project forward a little bit uh even though we're going to go through this thing page by page but this is a proto super patriot. A hundred percent. Even the story of this character is, is super patriot. Yeah, yeah. I, and and down to the idea that it's like a super serum, like a like a the next generation Captain America right. type guy. So happy that he didn't uh, give Marvel that design. There was a there used to be a proposal that would float around, and I think it was for an X Factor overhaul that Larson had, and uh, Super Patriot was part of that. And it, mm. it was kind of this character. It was like, I don't know, Super X, Patriot X, something like that. I but I mean, it was real kind of a hybrid between that character and Super Patriot. <laughs> when you get enough Eric Larson comics, or put it this way, enough comics from any cartoonist that you like, uh, you start to see where they place value and where they don't. And one of the places that Larson does not place much value is on uh, very detailed backgrounds. Right. So here you have just a you know, perspective grid. You know what I like about it, though? It carries over these three panels. I, there's, a, there's a term for that, and I don't know it, but it's, it's where like your panels go kind of across, like a background goes across several panels, and that's what you have there. Yeah. But it's, it's great visuals. You know, like There's so much excitement there of both Spider-Man breaking the panel and Ghost Rider. You, know, you get these big characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, you know, he's good for that stuff, these big bombastic images. Uh, but I absolutely, even as a kid reading this stuff, man, I made note that like, 
where are they supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, they are like high-tech labs and, and, and things throughout here. I think this is a mall or something. This is some public space where they're at in, in this sequence. It's the same mall from Youngblood number one. A bunch of speed lines and a bunch of grid, grid marks. And, and his cityscapes, right? This is the stuff where, as a kid, when you're really starting to get into making your own comics and you see these kind of backgrounds, that is so manageable. Like, you could potentially do that. You know what I'm saying? And... uh to see that is fantastic. Also, thinking about these image guys and the, the the anchor pages, the idea of money shots on every page. I was I was thinking about it this past week. One of the reasons why uh, I gravitated toward those comics when when I was like looking on the racks was this was an era where where uh, I definitely wanted to grow up to draw comics, and I was uh, looking on the shelves for like full bodies of figures to copy. And the more the merrier. And in like a Busema comic or like the Marvel House style comics, you wouldn't always get that. They placed a lot of value in the storytelling. But it's those image cats who uh, had that cool figure on every page. X-Men 1, he makes, Jim Lee makes sure to give you a cool Colossus, a cool Psylocke. And I was eating that stuff up. Yeah, there's a real sense of uh, the visual in this stuff. And certainly the emphasis on visual is on the characters. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun to see... We're basically going to see like the new Fantastic Four reunite here. In a way, right? Yeah, I think the whole cast shows it. Maybe not Wolverine. I guess we don't get Wolverine in that. Replacing but Ghost Rider, Hulk. you know, it's perfect if you're going to have guest stars. You want to bring in the hot characters. Usually it's Spider-Man who's showing up in like issue three or four of the new series. Yeah. But in this case, it's like, who are the hot characters? Exactly. Yeah, totally, man. And then and then there's like the low, low tier guys that you want to pump up, like Deathlock. Great pose here, man, with yeah. the lighting on the, uh, on the costume. He does a lot of really cool stuff with lighting throughout this run yeah and, and especially on spider-man whether it's double lighting or putting that face half in shadows there's a lot of cool attention to that who knew sandman was a good guy for a hot minute <laughs> and of course he's going to show up to a uh, to a residence of somebody who's very important to him but see there's no there's no uh wasted movement in a uh, eric larson comic it's very true you, you set up an establishing shot you create a conflict and uh watch rinse repeat because we got Sinister Six villains to deal with, plus Spider-Man and all of his uh, foibles. It's a giant cast, and rereading these things, one thing that stood out is the amount of words per page. It's treated like everybody's first comic, right? Like, we're going to get recaps and origins of every character all the time. Yeah, yeah, it gets it gets pretty ridiculous after a while, man. Uh, gotta give Doc Ock some adamantium octopus tentacles. It's a clever gimmick for Dr. Octopus, because it really does elevate him to, like heavyweight status right. yeah yeah and he needs all the help he can get with that haircut <laughs> <laughs> looking like dumb and dumber <laughs> so true also like he's the he's the main guy getting the the sinister six back together and uh i don't know man maybe maybe i missed it jimmy but uh it's it's pretty unclear to me what the whole point is uh is there a revenge is it specifically to go after spider-man he gets everybody together gets all these uh cool weapons they they uh Put a lot of emphasis on we got to get these like extra dimensional weapons but i don't think they ever explain what for they're planning to take over the world oh of course <laughs> <laughs> it's, their aim is much bigger than spider-man by the way man if these 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 villains man that hooked him up with these adamantium tentacles like maybe you don't let the dude strap them on and finesse them before he gives you 
that bag of cash. Yeah, this is Terminator. Like you're not handing the guy the guns and the ammo right on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> but it does give Larson that opportunity to just put these shapes everywhere. The other thing that stood out to me going through here is how much, uh, there's so much movement. Like you're not getting the, the character in the same pose twice. No. It is a lot of just energy on the pages, like, yeah. a, like a radical amount of energy, you know? Cause I think of all the comics we read this week, how none of them look like this. In right. terms of like characters are diagonal and sideways with Doc Ock, you've got these arms flailing all over the place. It is just chaos on these pages. Shouts again to Greg, to Greg Wright with the, with the colors on a lot of this because he'll, he'll do that thing that, that you sort of make note of in a lot of works that we look at where we've got this green figure with this kind of wine colored uh, background. Make our guys pop a little bit. Don't confuse them with uh, the background materials. Boy, Eric Larson uses every opportunity to use his weird screen tones <laughs> when, when it comes to MJ and her outfits. And this is also that era, you know, it's pre-Google image search. So you have to do your own legwork in order to like have the contemporary fashions of the day with your supermodel and shit. Uh, so like all these dudes were drawing just the most basic dresses and, uh, you know, accessories and fashions on their female characters. This is usually a wallpaper print. Am I? Am I right? It is, man. I I, I recently used it on, on my new issue of Red Room. It's a it's a blanket. Nice blanket print. I love this as a spread, and yeah. I don't know if he had control over that. But even as Looks a two page like it, scene, it yeah, the spread works real well. But Mary Jane coming in and going away, like that's really good storytelling for anchor panels on yeah. a domestic scene. Yeah. Um, and and then you get your stray bullets eight panel grid, but across to across a spread very cool and this is a fun storyline like i yeah. like that he works mary jane into this it's one more piece of you're getting your money's worth with these issues yes they're far more dense than i remember and they're far more dense than what i think of of like a rob liefeld comic of the time period even a mcfarland comic of the time period that would have a lot fewer panels right and bigger panels yeah. and maybe no mary jane subplot yeah <laughs> so it's kind of cool to see this stuff it seems like it's something that larson is interested in and he, he brings that into uh, Savage Dragon, certainly. And, yes. and it's very it's a very formulaic approach that he uses also, where he'll have his schmas. Like, the almost the entire comic is the schmas. Every now and then, he'll give you a page or two per issue of B-story, we'll call it. In this case, it's an Arnold uh, Schwarzenheimer flick, which, which, by the way, that exact name is used in parody in, like, a million sitcoms, a million other comics movies all sorts of parodies and the uh sort of you know you can't you can't just let peter parker have have a have a, have a good go at it he always has to have some sort of conflict and the conflict here is that mj's going to get this big chance to be in a movie but she's going to have to show her titties to arnold schwarzenheimer <laughs> and uh pete doesn't know how he feels about it. Yeah, because it's not just Schwarzenheimer. It would have been uh, also J. Jonah Jameson and all his co-workers at the Daily oh, yeah. Bugle. Uh, yeah, awkward. Great to see the uh, Eric Larson able to play around with all these villain characters, dude. Great colors. This is what you want. Like, if you think of this as Eric Larson's swan song on after years of Spider-Man, it really is like, let's play the hits. Oh, and just a, a big wooden floor. <laughs> It's funny how much that wooden floor resembles the motion lines. Absolutely, that might be one where the uh, the colorist could do a different, a little, a little more variation there. Yeah, that's true. 
But nighttime Spider-Man colors, that's not something you see, you could take for granted. You just can't do it. Uh, and nighttime skin tones and things, pretty cool. This gradient to me suggests early digital colors. Absolutely, because Greg Wright is playing with colors that are not a part of the standard 64 colors that they used for the first 50 years of Marvel Comics. Uh, it's definitely like more subtle hues, and, and, and we'll see better and better approaches as, as the, the issues go, go forward. Uh, where we leave off in this issue, love the uh, Spidey outfit with just the eyes and silhouette there with the Spidey sense and the negative silhouette of an impending threat. Great place to leave it. Let's keep rolling. A lot of setup, man. That's a lot of stuff. I was surprised how dense these issues were going back through them after 20, 25 years. Jeez, 30 years almost. Oh, yeah. Another great little splash page. You got to twist up Spidey. I remember on uh, at the height of the speculator boom on a home shopping network when uh, John Romita Sr. was on there with John Romita Jr. And he was drawing a quick uh, Spidey for uh, the audience. And he was like, if you don't draw Spidey twisted up or in motion, it's not Spider-Man. You're not drawing the character. I like the webbing that he's putting on the costume too. It's a super thin line. Yeah, creating conflict between the Sinister Six guys, which is a reasonable thing to do. Heck of a close-up on Doc Ock, too. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not so much referring to the drawing as just being able to put a close-up that's that large on mm -hmm. a page, and it doesn't it doesn't steal anything. You still get a fair amount of action on that page. Yeah. But it's a nice variation of shots. Good proportions and all that stuff. Uh, and drawing at that size, I think that's hard to maintain, which might suggest to me that he does rough small and blows them up and, and does some, some light boxing, perhaps. Yeah, I have no idea. Turning our Sandman to glass. <laughs> Lots of good Spider-Man poses. That's I, another one of that, redraw this that, that cool shading on his face. Yeah. And I like that he carries it over into things like, like the deltoids and stuff. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all that underplane. And it's a weird screen, by the way. It's not just your average dots. Yeah, some of the drawing, every now and then his scratchy lines, they almost go Bill Sienkiewicz where like you can almost feel the, the nib scratching across the paper. One of the things I always liked about his art style was how organic it was compared to the rest of those those image guys, like very clear ink lines, not, not that pristine uh, Scott Williams approach. Yes, he gets further into like Dragon, you know, he leans into that that I think of as cartooning. You know, like the characters yeah. really do become very cartoonish in their proportions. I'm telling you, Jimmy, at this time, I really thought that he's measuring every other millimeter and has a yeah. T-square to create those <laughs> lines. I had no knowledge that there would be a screen where that's possible. Totally. His Hulk is interesting, man, because I think of him as like a Kirby guy. Mm -hmm. But this isn't quite a Kirby-ish Hulk. This is my Hulk that I that I kind of check out on as a reader. Mm -hmm. And it's the, uh, I call him Professor Hulk. And, yeah. he, and he looks he looks decent here because he's not wearing like the full Professor Hulk costume. But it's the tapered waist that really really ruined the Hulk for me. It's weird to think that that would be a detail, but that's part of Hulk's charm is that he's this other proportion of a character. If you silhouette him, the other guys don't look like him. Once you give him the small waist and silhouette him, now he's just a giant muscle dude. It would be stuff like this whenever you would see it in comics. Often uh, John Romita Jr. Would, will not bury his construction in his final pencils, uh, but this stuff was very instructive to me as a kid, like learning to draw. Whenever this would like sneak into a uh, 
actual comic page. And this, you're you're looking at like the fingers, the frozen fingers on yeah, Sandman. Yeah, and the, the the various planes of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like this many knuckles. Uh, I clarified only because I love this panel, yeah. three panel sequence. Because yes, we get a good Sandman shot in the foreground of those three panels. But you also have action going on. Like it's a very creative way to have a lot happening to create depth. Harkens back to the silhouette sequences from that Frank Miller, Dennis O'Neill annual with uh, Doc Ock getting run through the Offset Press at the uh, Daily Bugle. Yeah, there was a lighting thing earlier that looked like a Frank Miller kind of treatment too. It's so funny. I, d I remember like when I would copy Eric Larson stuff, I would be so precise with these little yes. marks. I just heard uh, Stallone was doing an unboxing video of a Cobra figure and pointing out details on the figure about forearm muscles. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, it's genetic. I have that forearm muscle here on my own. <laughs> he and does I feel like too, that's man. him. I know exactly which one he's talking about. You see that thing pop the fuck out. Did, was Larson the guy that created the first like broken glass like eye? I don't know the answer to that. The, that the, the broken good. eye thing, like the broken glass eye thing, I don't remember it until rereading this, yeah. so I don't know who starts that. I think that's so sharp looking. It's weird though. What does that imply that costume is made out of? <laughs> I'll tell you, man, if you have that, uh, those old latex masks and, and you have them for 10, 20 years in mom's basement and only pull them out uh, for Halloween, there's some dry rot that uh, <laughs> starts to happen with, with that shit. Love kayfabe back muscles. <laughs> it really makes me feel good about kayfabe and back muscles myself those look pretty good three shoulder blades though that's true <laughs> a couple extra it is the hulk yeah but it's not uh forearms oh man and getting distracted here dr octopus just destroys the hulk in this first matchup and these these are like pretty dopey looking arms against our guy they are yeah they are the big thing is getting hulk off his feet it reminds me of sometimes like blob seems like he was yeah. around a lot in the early 90s and that's how you would beat the blob right like once you got him off the ground it seemed like he lost all of his powers of being the immovable object or whatever he had going for him and i feel like that's what doc ock does there with that uh, with hulk this is weird because like it feels like oh we're at the end of the issue because right. there's a letters column yeah and, and we're at the end of the Eric Larson piece, but there's, uh, for two issues, there's a Scott McDaniel story that, that, that carries on. Uh, but it's, maybe it's like a little bit of catch up to keep uh, Eric Larson on that monthly schedule. No. What is it? Is it this is when his house about? burnt down. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there's going to be two of these issues where like, he's still producing the issues, but they're, they're like a half size for him. And it's because of that Oakland fire. Let me just knock wood real quick, man. I mean, scary. it is. And I didn't realize this was the timing of that either, because that's one of those legendary moments. Like whenever you if you follow Larson back then and he would talk about all the comics he created as a kid and then he lost them in his fire in this fire. This is when that fire happens. OK, man. So obviously, like. So I I don't know that I was 100 percent wrong then, because we're giving the guy a chance to to keep that monthly schedule. Right. It's just the added complication of the goddamn. It's a, I think it's a shrewd move on Marvel's as a publisher's part because you're selling books. Like yeah. this is the height of the speculator boom. These books are selling in big numbers. You're getting a nice royalty. You don't want to plug in an inventory story no. if you can avoid it. And this is a pretty creative way to avoid it. And it says a lot about Larson as being a maker of comics. Like you had this like tremendous hardship in your life and you're still able to like figure out how to make those pages. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. I, I feel like that could just... 
I can't imagine that. I get a kitchen remodel and it's like I'm on the shelf for eight weeks. I uh, burning down a house like I mean that's everything. You know. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, in insurance putting us up at a uh, different place because because the 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 sort of the bathroom exploded. Like there was a whole issue at the house, and it put us up in a hotel. But I would still come up every day, uh, and work on work on comics and just I don't know pee in the sink or something like that. <laughs> Nova. Nova was always a character Larson would talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think uh, in our wizard episodes, it was talking about he, he like maybe he's going to do a mini series. I think he ended up doing one, and maybe like Chris Marinan drew it or something. He did the writing on that. I think so, and it might have been a couple of years later, like after some of the, some of the heat with Image cooled off a little bit. I this can't remember the exact timing, but I know he always talked about wanting to do a Nova character, Nova run. This shit worked on me too, by the way, man. Whenever like these kind of characters would get sprinkled in, there's the maximum carnage shit where it would be like Cloak and Dagger and Iron Fist would show up. Uh, then I started drawing Iron Fist for a couple of months. I never drew Deathlock in my entire life. Hard to draw. Looks like. Looks cool though. Yeah. When that miniseries came out, uh, I got it at this like little used bookstore and uh, the tragedy of the character, Jimmy, I believe, man. <laughs> like, like, I, like I was real sad for him. Look at the reflection in the floor. Larson cool. may not be doing, uh, laying out a grid for his background, but man, that's pretty nice detail of the reflection on the ground. Yeah. That looks sharp though, doesn't it? It does. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's a good, a good approach. He does some cool stuff with the Spider-Man costume this run. Which <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's favorite character. Here we go. I always thought that Solo like first shows up here, but it seems like he's established. I think he appeared in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know that he's very established, they but really, I think it's not a first appearance. They really tried to sell the kids on this guy, man, because I know he gets his own series at a certain point. <laughs> now we're taking things to the 1990s, man, and we're gonna need a bigger boat, or in this case, we're gonna need a lot more webs. <laughs> And it's an excuse to put guns on Spidey. Yeah, I feel like Rob Liefeld would approve. <laughs> and once again, using those crazy screen tones. I've never man. seen that screen. Yeah, I have that one for sure. But look at the dress, dude. Totally basic. Like, I think this is what a dress looks like. <laughs> kind of dress. No Google image search on dresses. No. <laughs> and I bet you Eric Larson had that lamp. Like, that's just too specific a lamp. Uh, design. Yeah, I wonder if he was running a morgue file. You know, he would have been of the era when you were supposed to have a good morgue file. Well, that's true, but there is a lot of kayfabe in happening with everything that's not people. And I mean, at this point, he would have lost the morgue file, right? So hard to draw. Yeah, for sure. So hard to draw walking, period. You know, it's it's hard not to make it look like Archie and friends mm -hmm. uh, because it feels weird to draw one leg smaller than the other. It does. Hey, look at how flat his head is it's such a flat top oh yeah <laughs> he really does capture an innocence in his face though gives him the spider-man like the bulky bod but that's yeah it keeps him young not a lot boyish. of lines on that face yeah <laughs> so here we have uh spidey with his ultra webs yeah, souped up Spider-Man. This is like the super soaker yeah. wasn't there like the deluxe super soaker that had a backpack I think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And who's there to uh, greet him? Solo. And Solo is like, Solo is like a patriot act, like post 9-11 vigilante. He's like, fuck terrorism. Yeah, he's pretty hardcore. I was going to say he's probably like, can't, can't exist in a book outside of the 90s. Because he also has that feeling. 
Greg Wright setting the mood, man. We have the nighttime Spider-Man colors established. It works really well. It does. It looks great. <laughs> this is a great sequence, too, where Larson just wants to draw Carnage. Not the villain, but Carnography. So it's his chance to have a couple of pages of mowing down. Like, this is what every kid wants in a Spidey comic. Like, fuck Mysterio. Kill that guy already. And you get your couple of panels of that. But, of course, it was but a dream. Or in this case, it was but a Mysterio illusion. And I think That's a clever use of 14, Mysterio. 15 pages. Yeah. 14, 15 pages, man, so Larson can keep that deadline. Like our underlighting on Doc Ock? Yeah, this is an image that was reused on maybe the back of some Marvel Universe cards or something. But, like, that's that's something that they used in other licensed materials. That's a good ending, too, where Solo's still under Doc Ock's right. uh, influence, and he's got a gun on Spider-Man thinking he's about to execute Dr. Octopus. Yeah, yeah, it's real good, good way to leave it. Good trend. Visually, it works, too, because we see him on top of Dr. Octopus, and only at the end do we get the explanation and see the, the panel review. How about this uh, this cover, man? Super iconic to, to uh, our generation of cartoonists, I would say. Cyborg arm, laced up, stitched up, got the buck 50 scar. And a little eyepiece, like a like a pirate. This is iconic to me, that yeah. cover. Yeah, absolutely, man. Deathlock, back-to-back b-boy poses like Run DMC. And I love how just, just through it Spider-Man is at this point. Leg taped up. It's great stuff. Yes. And the Eric Larson Uzi is one of my favorite Uzis in comics. Total kayfabe stuff. You know, big rectangle with a little cylinder at the end. I don't think if Larson is doing this kind of shading, mm -hmm. looks, it, it looks really good there. It does, real solid. And it picks up right where we left off. Once again, no wasted space. Like you, you set up that, that cliffhanger, you address the cliffhanger and fix it, take care of that immediately, because we got, we got adventures to have right now, man. We can't be wasting time. And again, coming off of that fire, it's almost like he's back, back on in form. One more, t uh, another thing that is noteworthy is this is a Chris Iolopoulos, mm -hmm. is that how you say his name, is on lettering duties here, who carries over with Larson to Savage Dragon for a couple hundred issues. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that he replaces, because Rick Parker's on at least the first issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Chris Eliopoulos, longtime letterer for, with, with Eric Larson. So, I mean, man, if you fuzz out your eyes, you could almost see Super Patriot totally. right there. Say it, Jim. <laughs> Full moon zine. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's so formulaic, and I'm not saying this in any negative way, but, like, you get your B story in there real quick. This is still in the, the day action. of comic books. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, even though this is a six-parter and would make sense as a book, it's still in that formula of, like, okay, each issue we're going to check in on Mary Jane... We're going to, you know, like there's, there's almost like the subplots that you're going to get a page or two of. Yeah. How about that image? Great. That's got to be a five figure piece of original artwork. It's a beauty. And I bet you, we know who has that too. <laughs> I really like that, that whole, all of it, like the yeah. metal textures. It's a good page for texture, having his costume next to the metal arm. This right here feels Ronin-ish. Mm-hmm. The stitches on the Spider-Man mask, I think are really cool. Yeah. I bet you this is what. McFarlane saw and was like, you know what, man? That ain't bad. Yeah, it probably wouldn't even register. And now we're in like the Weapon X labs. Verbal diarrhea. <laughs> How about that shit, huh, Jimmy? 
That's a, a lot of exposition. Man, this the whole spread. Yes, I think in Splitting Image, Don Simpson makes fun of this Probably. Kind, of, kind of stuff from, from Larson. And it comes directly from Name Withheld. It's amazing to think this is a six-part story, and yet we still need this amount of density to, to get the whole story in there. Look at these backgrounds, dude. A lot of That's rates. what I said. It's um, it's the Weapon X backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it'll be very clear, like, when Greg Wright does some multi-color stuff with these backgrounds. Yeah, that's the only difference. Shape-wise, like, that's really what you were seeing in those Barry Windsor Smith uh, backgrounds for the lab. And this is, that's super patriot. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and they, in amongst all of this, amongst all of this dialogue from Richard Nixon... <laughs> uh, we get the idea that this is like a, a super soldier, you know, Captain America for the 90s kind of Yeah, 100%. Design. Dum Dum Dugan showing up. Everybody's favorite Howling Commando. Yes. Because he's the only one that doesn't look like everybody else. The only one I can name. Exactly. <laughs> Another good Spider-Man pose. Keeping that uh, Frank Frankenstein-like stitching everywhere. <laughs> when you get to these pages and you see all those words that you just like there's no there's no way to uh it's tough to trim that down just a touch it's know? amazing these tough guys are so full it's it's the alternative of like the action movie <laughs> tough guy right like you need a supporting character to do all the exposition because it shouldn't be deathlock and it's deathlock telling us that he's a pacifist but has the <laughs> biggest guns look at our pacifist <laughs> And he's like, yeah, well, that's the struggle. I'm a pacifist, but look at what I'm doing. Hey, man, he loves peace. <laughs> Laying out all the, all the uh, slowly assembling this team. Yeah, there was a lot of Ronin in that shoulder pad. Mm -hmm. And a lot of ads in this comic book. It was good times. There was a lot of energy spent from Dr. Octopus telling uh, the fellas that they need to go, they can't just like set, settle for terrestrial warfare type weaponry. They have to go to another dimension to get some guns. They did, and and uh, we haven't made a big deal about it, but they do like body counts in various places, yeah. and the body counts in this storyline, <laughs> well, there you go, 143,000 deaths Plus. in this uh, other dimension, but they're also local, like where that first super patriot like uh soldier goes off yeah i forget how many people he kills but it's like 43 people or something yeah. it's it's a big body count in this storyline and there is not a lot of not a lot of tears shed for the uh 143,000 plus dead <laughs> that's a staggering number like how do you how do you say that in that, a, in a I, you know doesn't that seem like something the editor should be like we got to dial that down They're, like wars don't have that many dead dead people hey man you don't know how many people exist on this planet uh of in this extra dimension that could be one percent also what does that do for like all the sinister six guys like you've just made them big time mass murders like totally. like like the top six mass murders in uh, <laughs> earth history <laughs> right yeah they're just you, you gotta try out the weapons i guess everything about these comics is is overblown so you gotta you gotta have that overblown death toll man it's funny because that's something i didn't remember either was like the uh, the hundred and fifty thousand body count. I mean, it's one caption, you know. Like it's easy <laughs> to look over. It really is. In the Alan Moore BBC Maestro uh, masterclasses that he does, man, he talks about uh, Mort Weisinger had a very hard and hard 
rigid rule that uh, no more than uh, about 250 words on a page. And uh, I think we got a couple 500 word pages in this in this issue. Right. It really is impressive going through seeing the way he distorts these bodies. Absolutely, man. When you see him just draw like conventions and stuff, or if you get a chance to see his pencils, seeing how he builds the figures is pretty cool. And and looking at the way he draws, like looking at these figures, like it feels like, you know, he starts with odd stuff. Like he might start with this foot right here and then build out the figure from there. You know, like I've seen him do that kind of thing where, you know, it starts off with a big Kirby fist and then it turns into, you know, the Hulk running towards the camera. In this age of like really hitting Google images and, and uh, you know, having models for everything yeah. like this is a lost art what he's doing in terms of the figures and, and really bending the figures around in different perspectives mm -hmm. very few guys do that anymore I, I mean very few probably can do that anymore so we have our extra dimensional stuff our, our bad guys got their weapons now they're being beamed up into uh the mothership spidey's leaving deathlock behind and just materializes back at home there's a couple beats missing there i think well, you only have six issues to tell the story, Ed. Yeah. So you gotta gotta make some hard choices. <laughs> Maybe we'll get uh, you know, that one of those five hundred word pages with explaining to Mary Jane where <laughs> Spider what what he's been up to all night. So here's your new Fantastic Four, huh? Ghost Rider, Deathlock, Sleepwalker, and Hulk. Sleepwalker replacing Wolverine in this lineup. <laughs> <laughs> At some level, do you think that there's some some editorial uh sort of decisions in this? Because Larson's a classic guy from the Silver Age, man. I feel like he's doing a bit of largesse to Marvel to try to help sell some schmuck characters. It does, I, you know, like I should have looked it up, but Deathlock and Sleepwalker may have been new books this year. They were, I mean, if they weren't this year, they were certainly new within the past couple years at this point, certainly. But like, Ghost Rider's hot. Yeah. And then Hulk, maybe just a, a Larson favorite. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was somewhere in the middle of the pack. This is one of those where, like, I'm not that impressed with this as a splash page, but it is a splash page. If you ripped off the cover, you would still have this big arresting image to uh, to at least maybe draw your eye in. Yeah. I wonder if this is, like, the establishment of, of the white lab coat, Dr. Octopus, which I like much better than uh, the the old uh, spandex outfit. Hmm. Feels updated to me. Dude, his vulture's really great, too, man. He like, looks awesome like, there. Like, he really leans into the, the bird-like qualities of uh, the character. Makes me think of like, we looked at Kelly Jones, that artist yeah. edition, and there were a couple of those almost caricatured kind of characters, you know, big nose or chin or something, brow. I would love to see that version of, uh, of the vulture there based on like, that's an amazing piece. Yeah. A lot of cartooning on that face. Let's update Vulture for the 90s a touch. <laughs> yeah. Put a big ass Uzi in his hand and he looks unhinged. Totally. Ready to go after Doc Ock. He should too. The, Vulture's another one of those, like, we've had talks about people don't use the age of the characters all the time. And if you're doing a teenager, there's a lot there. And if you're doing an older person, there's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like as all of my loved ones are aging up, imagining one of them as a supervillain, you could have some fun with some of those characteristics. Continuing our B story of Mary Jane being in a titty flick in a Cinemax movie. You know, it would be the equivalent. It was, she would be Erica Eliniak in a Under Siege. Right. You know, popping up sure. from the, yeah. the birthday uh, cake. Not a bad hobgoblin. 
I don't totally understand him. Yeah. I don't know that character very well. Yeah, it's pretty weird, man. Like, like I was grabbing those comics when I was a kid, man. Like, the Ron Friends issues that, like, introduced the character and, like, teased him out a whole lot. Uh, but you got me. Purely from a visual standpoint, Electro next to uh, Hobgoblin. What a weird, like... Because it looks like sensibilities a of very different character design yeah. time periods. I like that uh, Parker's shaving, and he's using like his bionic arm as part of the <laughs> washing off his face. Yeah, it turns out that bionic arm—it's a cast, right? For those playing at home, he's just updating everybody, man. Yeah, giving everybody big ass guns, and poor, poor Sandman. This reminded me of the, do you remember the Marvel Age of Electra Lives Again yeah. where uh, Lynn Varley was coloring with that 64 color palette? Yeah. Reminded me a lot of that. Sure, sure. And that is some mucky, is this the Lazarus Pits? Like, <laughs> I guess I guess Solo paints on his green outfit. <laughs> so when he takes a bath, <laughs> he's got to paint it on over again. It's like those uh, cosplay chicks. That's man. hilarious, body painting. <laughs> A lot of nine-panel grids in this issue. A little, little, little Ditko-ish. Hey, man, when you're happening. telling this this scale of an epic, you need it. Look at Dum Dum Dugan. It looks like he's lumbering, dude. Like, if it was Jurassic Park and you had a little cup of water, every step is rippling your your juice. Dum Dum Dugan in spandex like that, I would read a, a, a one-shot of him. Smuggling plums. <laughs> Got that man camel toe. It is not a flattering costume for a World War II vet. <laughs> You gotta have these shots, dude. Certainly another five-figure piece of original art, right? Yeah, this is cool. So Sinister Six is planned to take over the world. There's a Manhattan Hydra Lab that they're going to invade that controls satellites that I guess they can wreck the world with. The sole satellite. Sleepwalker. <laughs> what Marvel's mean? answer to Sandman. Yeah, Sandman done right, they called it. <laughs> what a B-lister. And his villains didn't help much more either, dude. Like, I, I got an issue or two, and like, like one of the villains just has an eight-ball billiard ball on his head. Hmm. Like, that's that's the whole deal. I don't remember him much at all. I think I probably bought issue one because I was probably buying every issue one at that time. Yeah. But, man, he just didn't register with me. There's Marvel Universe Series 2 cards would introduce me to a bunch of these characters, and it, it sort of worked on me. Like, I'd be like, oh, he's a rookie? I could, I'll, I'll read that. You know, this is this is a, a comic for us. Like the old timers read Spider Man, but I'll read Dark Hawk. This is some of what I was complaining about. Everybody has to be funny with their lines. Yeah. And it's like just let Spider Man be funny, and then it, he'll seem even funnier. Yeah, yeah, it's real dumb. Like they they're all like using like old, like pithy game show talk right there. Pretty dumb. Got to get rid of your Sleepwalker pretty quick. See, it's this kind of stuff that makes me wonder if there was some editorial mandate where, uh, you know, you got to get them in there. And so you get them in and get them out real quick. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Because otherwise, like, what would Larson's attraction to Sleepwalker be? That's what I'm be? saying. That like, had to be like guy. an editor saying, hey, you're going to have all these guests. Yeah. Put, put the new book guy in there. Right. I mean, dude, take that fucking hair off and put that fin. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like, we're there, dude. 100%. Because that is Dragon's build. It is. You know, and Dragon can get away with it because you don't have a history of him being mm -hmm. as wide in the middle as he is at the, in the shoulders. 
little in the middle, but you got much back. Got your money shots with everybody, man. His Ghost Rider is pretty cool too. It's a very different interpretation of Ghost Rider. I go back and forth with it, and uh, and I'm all right with it. Yeah, yeah. His fire is very specific. Like like if you isolated any like segment of that fire, I I am fairly confident that I would uh, be able to call Eric Larson out as being the guy who drew that. And again, finds ways to make these characters bigger than they could possibly be on a page. We might have to start a new playlist, Jimmy, that uh, where we call out uh, Godzilla meets Bambi. Yes. Yep. That's exactly my thought reading this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Craven the Hunter uh, character that's that's come back. Yeah. Gog. Gog. Pretty wild stuff. Bit of a deep pool on that one. Which which su suggests the fandom of Larson, and I think is more evidence uh, for. This is, I think, a triple being triple gatefold cover. Larson just posted like pencil roughs of this recently on Facebook, yeah. which was kind of wild because it was like, I just picked this one up and uh, it's kind of neat to see it. And I have no idea what kind of records he has of, you know, I think he has most of his original art. I think he has a ton of it, mm. but it was kind of cool to see this piece. Yeah. So and you talk about like your, uh, you know, five figures or whatever. This is a five what, what is this piece. thing worth? Yeah, you know, absolutely. a giant oversized everybody on the cover i was looking at this piece right here and it's like i don't know man i feel like that forearm muscle has to come in front i don't know i know it's like the wrist is back more yeah but it feels funky yeah i would add i think this knee's pretty good for a little bit of like an underlight and, and giving some dimensionality to a knee it feels like you've got bones like meeting each other there in the middle yeah it's pretty solid and again, I love the shadow stuff that he's doing on Spider-Man. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, is it? I mean, that's a screen, but it's just the weirdest screens. It looks, it, it's so organic, that yeah. pattern on his face. It almost looks like dry brush or something added to the screen. A couple screens ganged up or something. Yeah. Pretty unusual. See, this is your Weapon X Lab, kind of. Yeah, and different people watching this at home deciding whether or not to come out and join the battle. Yes. <laughs> this whole time he's been trying to get the Avengers of the Fantastic Four to get on the case, and right. they're off on their own, having their own adventures. And now Mary Jane goes to meet with the producers. Yeah, yeah, she's trying to see if she could get the part but not show the jugs. And we'll see how that turns out. It's a pretty awkward storyline, and the storyline that he had with them in the uh, issue 16 was them talking about having a kid and sort of like the risks involved, because like, what's he, you know, is he a mutant? Like, yeah. you know, it could be dangerous for her health. Kind of neat storylines. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually some pretty good characterization uh, for Peter Parker in these pages. Like when uh, MJ kind of cuts him down a little bit, the way that he sells the pain with kind of high school PTSD uh, I feel like that rings true I love that I love seeing this stuff this is wild to me because you think like if we were all going to go start our own books in our own publishing company how long of lead time would that be now at a year yeah, or something yeah. like that Dragon is in here yeah while he's working at Marvel and we know that Marvel like kicks everybody to the curb or those guys leave or whatever and like it's already scheduled for the prep for for the printing press absolutely man uh and and it's in all their stuff like there's young blood ads in x-force there's wildcats ads in 
X-Men, and it's those late issues that you're starting to see a lot more Art T-Bear on the page than Jim Lee. Burning that candle at both ends, man. And this whole thing, it just feels like if you're going to sell your original art, this is what you want to put on the pages. This is Eric Larson <laughs> getting his shit in there as a... As a getting a new house payment pro, to, together. Pro wrestling parlance. Dude's got a house to replace, man. Let's sell some pages. Yeah, man. It is fun, though. I don't know if he knew that, that he was leaving. Like, maybe they, maybe they had all figured this out partway through the storyline. But it does feel like if you're leaving, draw everybody. Draw all, all your favorites, you know, like put them on the page. Because it does feel like this is like an apex of Larson at, at Marvel. Yeah, and it's all his stuff, you know, like Hulk versus Thing. Come on now. He's probably itching to draw that for years. Yeah, I see this face and stuff, the way he builds these characters, his organic line. Like, I, I see a lot of um, Walt Simonson. Yeah, yeah, Simonson, huge, definitely. And even just with Chris Iolopoulos, or I'm sorry if I mentioned said his name incorrectly but going john workman with a lot of the lettering larson must specify that because i feel like that carries over a lot in in his uh dragon stuff yeah great cool lighting here too yeah Feel, feels um i say miller but i mean it'd be anybody that's thoughtful in their light it's probably jansen more than than miller some of those right. things that i think of as like double lighting or yeah man and the chaos on the pages like when i would copy artists this would be the kind of stuff that was impossible to copy. Yeah. It was almost like it defied the building, the, the shapes out, right. or perspective, grids. When it was just like chaos. When you see uh, the way these guys draw sometimes, too, like there's no real underdrawing a lot of times. You know, like they're just, they just go for it, man. It also feels like you're benefiting from your letterer here, your colorist here. Yeah, Elopolis, man, he, he's, he earned his pay on this page. He really did, and I love it. This may be one of my favorite pages in this whole run, but it's just, you start taking it apart, and it is, it's chaos, but it might have also been one of the faster pages Larson drew, because mm -hmm. it's just like four or five figures all bouncing around, no real attention to perspective or anything. But you benefit from your assembly line on that page. Jimmy, I hate to tell you, man, Doc Ock failed in his mission. <laughs> he didn't win. He, he's not out of it yet. Things are going to get worse. This is a clever little piece with uh, Invisible Woman doing the force field. Right. It's pretty fun. And here's finally Sandman gets <laughs> some payback. And just about kills Doc Ock. Yeah, dude, the death of a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man has to kind of pull back Sandman like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Could have killed him. And you know, you look at this. I was looking at this on the reread and trying to figure out exactly what's happening. And it's like all these shards of glass are like basically going through Dr. Octopus like bullets. He comes back as Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with Spider Man. Like, I think if you put all these glass shards through a dude, they're dead. Yeah. They're bleeding out okay. at the very least. We, that was wrapping up the Sinister Six part, but we've got to wrap up our B story. And it turns out that. They just wanted MJ for her body in that flick, man. You know? Like, uh, they they weren't looking for her acting prowess. And she admits, you know, she's not the greatest actress in the world, but she didn't want to be humiliated by being a hunk of meat. Right. Enter their uh, New York City brownstone, and there's everybody showing up for a little surprise birthday party. Happy ending.
That's a nice ending. It's cool to, that he raps on the B story. Can't get much more 90s than the Revenge of the Sinister Six, Eric Larson, batch of issues. You know? Not only that, that really is the end of the, uh, the Image dudes. Like, this is your sign-off of the Image guys at Marvel at this time. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you got, you got your Jim Valentino sticking around for a touch longer. Maybe, but I, he doesn't have a sign-off story. You know, That's like, true. this feels like, see you guys. Let's go see what we can do at Image. Yeah, yeah. This is what you're giving up. This is what we were unhappy and what you're going to lose. Here it is. This is what could have been, you know. I, uh, I read it when it came out. Haven't read it since, man. It's been 30 years, Jimmy. Pretty fun to revisit. Super fun. I appreciate Larson's... I don't know, verve or something, you know, like it feels like he's really going for it on all of these pages. He's not calling anything in despite like good reason to do so in the middle of this. Right. But you know, like so many of these guys, and, and you can even put me in this category. It, it is like a job, a profession, my relationship to these characters, totally different than when I was reading them. Larson has that enthusiasm yeah. for these characters. You know, like it feels like, this is there's nothing he wants to do more than making comics and comics like this. I like that enthusiasm. It's very fun to see it in comics form because you don't see it that often. Yeah, yeah, and you feel it on the page. It resonates. Yes. This, this ain't this ain't a job for him, man. No. He's been spending his whole life trying to get to this position. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this would be like the highest moment of his career up to this point, yeah. and you could almost trace that trajectory. And then to think like what he goes on to do beyond this, like what yeah. a career. But yeah, big moment. Fun to look at, fun to revisit. Definitely. Uh, jazzes me up to get back to the drawing board, Jimmy. You good to go? Yes. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. It's out there, Jimmy. Hulk Grand Design, the treasury si oversized treasury collection will be in stores in December. You need to pre-order that now. That is celebrating 60 years of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, condensing that down into a giant oversized treasury edition with a fluorescent green cover that you are going to want to have under your Christmas tree and those you love. Uh, Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live, back in print from Image Comics, should be available in your local comic shop any day if it's not already there. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my comics, drawings, how-to, and download some of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics there. Here it is, man. Red Room Trigger Warnings. The trade paperback coming to stores in a few weeks. As of this recording, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room. Uh, there's about 60, 70 pages of extra material in this trade paperback. Uh, you might need to order this comic uh, online because it's banned in some comic shops, banned in a lot of countries. So hit up my link tree in the description below this video. I made, I made it very easy for you to, uh, to uh, scoop this comic up. I'm serializing new Red Room comics on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Three books for the archive over there. And I have uh, serialized comics that uh, haven't hit paper yet. It's the next round of Red Room comics that won't hit paper till uh, 2023. And you can get it all for uh, three bucks. Uh, what else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise and fanny packs at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.